You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for February 12th, 2023, the sixth Sunday after the Epiphany. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Elizabeth Garnsey. It's based on Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. Well, this is my favorite gospel passage. (laughs) Said no one ever about this reading from Matthew. With its high-handed rhetoric and seemingly impossible standards, this is one of those passages that just begs to be misinterpreted. Whether by literalism, legalism, judgmentalism, those isms that cloud our understanding or send us away feeling like failures. Maybe you've never murdered anyone, sure. But anger, lust, adultery, divorce, broken your word, It sounds here like Jesus is placing these violations on the scale of murder and calling them just as egregious. These verses are part of the Sermon on the Mount, which spans three chapters in Matthew, chapters five through seven. We could never study them enough, nor read them too often for all the beauty and richness they contain. The Sermon on the Mount is one of the crown jewels of the teaching across all gospels, and it is the heart and soul of Jesus' overall instruction in Matthew to his followers. It's where we find some of Jesus' most famous teachings, not least of all the Beatitudes and the salt of the, salt of the earth and the light of the world, which have been our teachings the last two weeks. And it contains turn the other cheek and go the second mile. Here we find Jesus' words, consider the lilies of the field, How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. The Sermon on the Mount gives us the golden rule. In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. And not least of all, but possibly the most challenging, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So this difficult section of Jesus' teaching we have before us today must be read within the framework of these other powerful passages. Altogether, they make up the nitty-gritty of what it means to live out Jesus' greatest commandment, that we love God and love one another as God has loved us. Easier said than done. So Jesus slows it all down for us, his listeners, spelling out what the daily life of love begins to look like. His rhetoric is strong, even hyperbolic, in order to wake us up to our high challenge of loving one another in ordinary daily life. The injunction against murder is an easy one to measure our moral lives against. Most people never murder anyone. But if we want to follow the way of Jesus, the way of love, and fulfill that great commandment to love one another as Christ loves us, Is it enough to simply stop short of killing each other? In the spirit of Peggy Lee, is that all there is? Is bodily killing all there is to a murder? Jesus says there's much more to murder than bodily killing. We kill each other's spirits every day when we harbor anger and leave it unresolved. Ironically, we are usually angry the most towards the people we love the most. When we leave it to fester and grow, 
and limit our conversations about it to those futile ones we have in our own heads. We can drive ourselves mad, and we die inside as we kill our relationships. Why do we do this? Why do we let our anger fester without confronting the issues and reconciling with the people that we care about? Is this the way of life and prosperity Moses is presenting to the Israelites in Deuteronomy? If you can relate to what I'm saying, you know like I do, this is the way of death and adversity. In these ways, Jesus says, we so much as commit murder. All of us have hurled insults or called someone a fool or another name. All of us have experienced someone harboring something against us. But in all of these situations, how quick are we to do the work of confession or forgiveness? Do we bravely make the first move to reach out, to reconcile? How willing are we to invite an honest and humble conversation that works out our conflicts? How ready are we to accept that we might be in the wrong and need to ask forgiveness? The longer we wait to do these things, the dimmer the light in our lives becomes. D.H. Lawrence said, this is the definition of immorality. It is only immoral to be dead alive, sun extinct, and busy putting out the sun in others. We don't tend to associate immorality with putting out the sun in others, but as Jesus teaches, our unaddressed anger, our resentment and hostility are murder by a thousand cuts. Jesus teaches here that there is something we can do about it. Jesus says it is even more urgent for us to make peace and reconcile our differences with one another than it is to come to this altar. Adultery, divorce, broken vows, just as familiar as we are with these things in our time, so the people in Jesus' time were familiar with these things. And in our time, whatever the situation that leads to divorce, it nearly always comes with hurt, but it need not always come with harm. First century and 21st century understanding and experiences of divorce are worlds apart. But in all circumstances of disconnection and separation, the teaching of Jesus is this. Can we let love be our guide even when a relationship is broken? Can we seek each other's well-being as well as our own to remain faithful to Jesus' highest command that we love one another? By taking his Jewish laws to their full conclusions and then a step further, Jesus is teaching his disciples an ethos that does not overturn these laws, but transcends them. Jesus ushers in a vision of the kingdom of God in which the laws become superfluous, a kingdom in which love for one another, the way God loves us, is our chief command and guiding force. Integral to Jesus' vision of the kingdom of God is that it is a culture in which we can trust that God is with us, equipping us for the love and good works that are called for in every situation. The next verses in this Sermon on the Mount 
tell us the rain falls on the evil and good alike. None of us escapes the sadness of this world. Some of it is so enormous and be overwhelming. Last week's earthquakes in Syria and Turkey have taken more than 23,000 lives. Russia's unjust war on Ukraine has no end in sight. Extreme weather disasters and the urgent climate crisis give us existential angst. Closer to home, we are met with the hardships and sadness that come with change and loss. From the bitter sweetness of saying farewell to beloved friends, not least of all to Justin and Jewel as they follow God's call to a new church after 10 years here, to our illnesses or the grievous loss of our loved ones. There is so much loss and pain over which we have no control. Yet all of these things present us with a choice like that which Moses presented to the Israelites. Choose life or death, blessings or curses. Will we choose the ways of life and blessing? Seek out the path to healing and new life? Or fall into worry and despair and curse our pain to death? We must take time to grieve our losses, but not without the hope of new life to come. It is a high calling to live well and lovingly amidst all kinds of conflicts, tragedy, and loss. The way of Jesus offers us a way to respond to them. The way of Jesus is the way to navigate life's conflicts and hardships. We can't always avoid hurting and being hurt, but we can very often avoid doing harm. Jesus assures us that we can trust our Heavenly Father to meet us in the fears and conflicts of our lives, even if others don't meet us there. But we must be willing to face our conflicts head on and practice a love with one another that seeks healing and peace. It's scary to confront our fears, our anger, our hurts and resentments, and reach out in love to reconcile and repair our relationships, especially and including when some of them need to come to a gentle end. As people of an Easter faith, the faith that banks on the hope that resurrection follows every death, we can trust that God will meet us in every risk we take for the sake of love. The poet Sylvia Plath died 60 years ago yesterday. In one of her many poems, she wrote, how frail the human heart must be, a throbbing pulse, a trembling thing, a fragile shining instrument of crystal, which can either weep or sing. In our lives, weeping is inevitable, but in the midst of our tears, the gospel of Jesus even and especially this difficult one, wants to teach our hearts to sing. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanaan.org.